Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Brought here, so that's great. So awesome to see everybody here this morning. Uh, we are starting a new series today. Can somebody hand me my clicker deal right there? Thank you. There it is. That's it. So we're starting a brand new series today. Thanks, Justin. Uh, called The Art of the Bible, From Creation to New Creation. And we are going to spend the next eight weeks, the next eight weeks, looking over the, the big picture narrative that we find in Scripture. So this is a, a super high view of the story uh, of God found in, in the Bible. And so we're going to start today talking about creation. Next week, we're going to talk about the fall. Then the following week, about the patriarchs and then the exodus. And it just just is exciting times, right, guys? And so it's going to be a, a lot of fun. And the reason that we're doing this is really to help us as disciples of Christ to have a better understanding of the Word of God. So when we are reading something in the prophets, we're reading something in the Gospels or in the epistles, we know kind of how this uh, fits within the bigger story that God is telling. And so I'm going to give you a handout in a little bit, but I don't want you to be distracted by it. So this Bible timeline will be on, on your handout. Uh, and I spent a long time looking for a good Bible timeline on, on the Googler. And there are a ton of, of great Bible timelines that have so much information on it that it is, it's very, very difficult to use. And, and then there's some that I just thought were bad. And, uh, and I finally said, well, I'll search for Bible timelines for kids. And I found this one. And so this is kind of where we're at. We're just kids coming and learning how the, the Bible is put together. And today we're going to start way over here on the left talking about creation. And the, the creation stories that we find in Genesis 1 and 2 are the first acts of the drama of the biblical story. Um, and as we know, the first act of any TV show, movie, play, or musical uh, is really important. Um, this is not, uh, this is a, I was going to make a joke that would not have landed, so I'm glad that I hit the pause button there. Uh, so this is Lin-Manuel Miranda, and as some of you guys know, I'm a fan of the, the musical Hamilton. Uh, it came out on Disney Plus here in the pandemic uh, in 2020, and uh, I've watched it a few times. I've listened to the, the soundtrack like a thousand times. I don't know. I really like it. But the first song called Alexander Hamilton sets the scene, sets the context for everything that happens after that. The opening scene, we find Alexander Hamilton. He experiences a really hard life in the, the Caribbean, and he, he leaves home. He arrives in New York in 1776 as an orphan and as an immigrant where he meets Aaron Burr. And in the opening song, Aaron Burr tells us, I'm going to shoot him. All right? And so we're already ready, like, okay, something's going to happen here. There's, gonna, there's probably going to be some tension between these guys. Um, and then he meets his friend, uh, John Lawrence, uh, Marquis de Lafayette, and, oh, the other guy, Hercules Mulligan. There I did it. And, uh, and so uh, Hamilton and, and these guys, they are uh, 
trying to make a name for themselves in revolutionary America. And we, we learn about Hamilton. He is willing to do what it takes to succeed for himself and for his country. And throughout this first song, we find lyrics that are peppered throughout the rest of the musical. So it's really laying a, a foundation, a, a, a context uh, for what comes next. And similarly, the, the opening chapters of Genesis also are putting everything that comes after in context. And if we understand these two chapters of Scripture, we actually have a much better chance of rightly interpreting everything that comes after it. Right? So uh, what we want to do today is do a little bit of work to see what is it that Genesis 1 and 2 was trying to teach to the original recipient, and what is it teaching us today? And I believe that at a fundamental level, the, the creation stories are trying to do two things. They're probably trying to do a lot more than that, but right, we're at a, we're at a big overview here. So first, uh, the creation story is an argument against other creation myths. Okay, we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to see how these creation stories are shaping how the original hearers and how we uh, should think about the world and how we find ourselves living in it. Okay? So that is kind of where we're heading. So first, it is an argument against other creation myths. This is a, an, an, a, a picture of an Egyptian creation mythology, and I don't know what all those things are, but I thought it was interesting. So I put it up there. And um, in the original uh, writing and hearing of this, of Genesis 1 and 2, there were a lot of ancient creation stories circulating. Uh, this, the Bible takes place in the, the ancient Near East, and this is in, the, in Egypt and in the, the Promised Land where the Israelites are heading. There would have been competing creation stories. And so when Moses introduces the people of, of Israel to God, he tells them that, hey, God is your great deliverer. Yahweh is the one who has brought you out of Egypt. Right? We, we find uh, the, the Israelites stuck in Egypt for hundreds of, of years. They're slaves. They, they call out to God. He listens to them. And he, he brings them out with miraculous power. And we're going to talk a lot more about that in week four. So I know you're on the edge of your seat. We can't go any more into that today. Uh, and so Moses reveals uh, that, uh, that Yahweh, that God is a great deliverer. But he also wants them to know that, that he is also the one that spoke all things into existence. Right? He, he separated the, 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 the waters. He created uh, light and, and darkness, dry land and, and plants. I really like this uh, picture of the six days because in the land animals it has giraffes, rhinoceroses, and a velociraptor. And uh, that was fun. And so, and so Moses introduces God as a creator. And coming out of Egypt... Uh, and, and getting ready to settle into the, the promised land, the people of Israel need to know the truth. Right? They need to know who the Creator is so they don't fall into uh, believing in these other competing stories 
and the, the allegiances that those other stories demand out of us. They need to know who the one true God actually is. And in many ways, the uh, creation story that we find in Genesis 1 is very, very similar to other ancient Near Eastern uh, creation stories, but there are very important and very significant differences. And I'm just going to point out two of them this morning. First, uh, in Genesis 1.16, it says this. It says, God, am I talking really fast? I'm like, what does it matter? I'm just going to calm down here a second. I'm so excited about creation. I just can't get enough. Okay, so Moses says in Genesis 1.16, God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. And Moses and the, the Hebrews uh, had uh, a word for the sun, and they had a word for the moon. But that's not what Moses uses here. He says the greater light and the lesser light. And I think that an important reason is because where they're coming out of, they're coming out of Egypt, the, the sun god would have been very, very important, and there's also a moon god in Egyptian cosmology. And, and, and so what uh, Moses is, is saying is, is the, the greater light instead of sun so that the Israelites have no, um, they're not able to kind of mistake the sun as this deity, right? The, the greater light is just another created object that God has created, has spoke into existence for a purpose. A purpose of giving light and heat to those people that are living on the earth. And in, in this verse and all these verses uh, surrounding it, the attention is on the one who created. Right? It's not on the creation. It is on the one who created here the greater light. God made two great lights. Everything in the story is created by and therefore submitted to and obligated to the Creator. God alone is divine. God alone is eternal. He alone is worthy to be worshipped. So that's one significant difference. Second thing is that in the biblical creation story, uh, there's a difference in how Moses represents humanity. Um, in many ancient Near Eastern creation stories, the gods were these selfish and oppressive uh, creators and rulers. They created uh, humanity to serve them and to, to keep them happy. But the Bible tells a different story. Right? The Bible tells the story of a, a good God who creates humanity to share his love with. Radically different than the creation stories of the time. In uh, Genesis 1, starting in 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. 
So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Humanity, in this creation story, bears the image and the likeness of God. He identifies with them. He values them. We see Him blessing them. Adam and Eve, human beings, are the crowning achievement of His creation. And they're not there for subjugation, but to be co-rulers of the earth. We see the, the earth created not as a, as a place of oppression, but as a, a home for humanity, where people are called to live and to, to thrive and enjoy the very presence of God himself. Moses told this story carefully and on purpose to teach the truth, and this is who they are. Don't listen to these other stories. And we are, are still confronted with different creation stories, different ways of thinking about who God is and what He is like and where we come from. We have different ways of engaging and thinking about what our role and our purpose is here on the earth. We have grown up, uh, most of us, in this uh, culture where humanism is on the rise. It's a, a Humanism is a way of thinking that gives importance to humanity over God. But the creation story right, doesn't let us think like that. The creation story tells us that God is what is most important, not humans. Most of us are familiar with atheism, right? There's disbelief in the existence of God or gods. And, and the creation story doesn't give us that option. We're here because of God's willful intention. Right? We're not here by accident. Uh, agnosticism is... This belief is it's a big um, umbrella term, but some agnostics think, yeah, there, there, is, there is a God, but he's unknowable and he's far and he's distant. Right? But the, the creation story says that, no, he's not far off and distant and, and uncaring. Right? He's intimately involved. He loves and cares for his creation. And we could include a lot of, of different isms in here, different ways of looking at the world. But this story the story of the, the one true God, the beginning of all things, it, He must be the foundation of everything that we do and every, every ism that competes for our attention. And as our foundation, it shapes how we think about the world and how we should live within it. Genesis 1 and 2 was, was not written to teach exact details about how God created. It actually teaches something that is much more important. 
It, uh, it, it teaches a true understanding of the world. It teaches a true understanding of who created it and how we fit within it. And for the original hearers, these uh, three ideas that we're going to look at would have been very, very clear to them, and it should be very clear to us as well. As we read through these stories, we see that God alone, we already talked about this, but God is the divine source of everything. We see that, that creation is good, and that God intended to have a very special relationship between himself and human beings. And these, friends, I think, are the most important things that we can learn from the creation story. So I want to look re- just shortly at, at each of these three things. Um, there's going to be some overlap from what I just talked about, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So God is the divine source of all that is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, Derek Kidner, in his uh, commentary on Genesis, says this. He says, It is no accident that God is the subject of the first sentence of the Bible. For this word dominates the whole chapter and catches the eye at every point on the page. It is used some 35 times in as many verses of the story. The passage, indeed the book, is about him first of all. To read it with any other primary interest, which is all too possible, is to misread it. And I think that's really important. I especially like that he includes this little parenthetical that says, which is all too possible. It's easy, and we see it in our own lives, in, in our culture, right? And is people using the Bible to justify pretty much anything they want to justify, Right? If you take things out of context, you can make it say just about anything that you want. And that's why understanding that it is about God, that he is the subject matter, he is the main character, is so very important. He is not just the central figure here, but he is the central figure in all of Scripture, which we're going to see over the next eight weeks. He is the central figure in all of history and the central figure of everything beyond history. And in order for us to understand ourselves and our world correctly, we must first think rightly about God. He's the truth. He's central. And that means that he needs to be central in our own lives means he needs to be central in our home. It means he needs to be central in our church. And it would be easy to go, well, certainly, yeah, I'm a Christian, Mark. I go to church almost every Sunday, right? And it, God is obviously the, the center of my life. And, and we have to ask, I think it's healthy for us to ask, is it? Really? We might think, of course, God is the center of, of, of my home. But I think it's probably important for us to ask, is he? And cert- certainly God is the center of, of the church. I mean, we, we come here and we worship, you know, we sing songs about Jesus and, you know, we talk about Jesus, right? Obviously, he's the center, but it's possible 
for church to have God be kind of this addition. Oh, really, it's about the community, or really, it's about this, or really, it's about that, and we kind of sprinkle it with God. But the creation story says, no, 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 no. God must be central. So, moving on, the New Testament reveals something that the Old Testament only hints at. Uh, This one creator God who delivers Israel out of Egypt is actually triune. He's Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. And John begins his gospel saying, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. John didn't just kind of like kind of throw these words together. He's like just kind of thinking, right? He crafted this on purpose. He starts his gospel out in the beginning, the word, right? And obviously that gives us this picture of the first verse of, of, of scripture in the beginning, God. Right? And so John continues on. He exists. The word existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. We see that, that God is, is triune, and not only was the Father there, but the, the but Jesus and the Holy Spirit was there at creation. And because Jesus is our deliverer, Jesus is our creator, right? This gives him certain rights. He gets to be the one who determines right and wrong, and we don't get to argue with it. We bend our knee to him. And we need to to remember that our experience or our feeling or or, uh, even our own reason, we don't get to take that and and try to figure out how Scripture supports that. We start with Scripture from the revealed Word of God, and then everything else flows out of that. God is the divine source. He is our foundation. He is our truth. So, not only is this shaping us in thinking about how God is the divine source, but this story shows us that creation is good. Everything that God created is good. I tried to find a, a smattering of, of, of pictures. We got, we got a city. That's good. We got this cow here. He's good. The actual nature, that's good. A diversity of people. Like, all, all this, all this is good. And, and the creation story actually fights against this idea that the, that the world and creation isn't good. Right? Uh, moving forward. Everything that God created is good. We see this in verse 10, 12, 18, 21, and 25 of the first chapter. And then in verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth 
day. We're not just waiting for our graduation to, to get rid of these physical bodies, right? These corrupt, terrible things, right? And get to our true home, which is this kind of ethereal, spiritual realm where we sit on a cloud and play harps or whatever, right? Like, that's not what we're looking for, right? God created us as physical people that live in a physical world that is good. And did it get corrupted? Yeah, it's a real bummer. And we're going to talk about that more. <laughs> yeah, it's just a big bummer. Uh, that we're going to talk about that more next week. But the, the point today is that the creation is good. And uh, when Jesus comes back, we're not getting rid of our bodies. We're actually getting new and better bodies, right, to live for eternity on the new earth. It's going to be great. It's going to be so awesome. We were created as a good creation called to be good stewards of a good creation. And so what this teaches us is that it actually matters how we care for the world, how we steward what God has given us and where He has placed us. We're called to be co-rulers, right? To, to be fruitful and multiply, to, to cultivate culture and to, to create. It is an awesome calling. We don't get to just take the world for granted. And lastly, what I want to look at is how the, the story shapes us to reveal God intended a very special relationship between himself and between human beings. And again, we've already touched on this a, a little bit, so I will just be brief. Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And so in the, in the creation stories, uh, Adam and Eve... Uh, representing all of, of humanity, are image bearers of God. And in the culture that this was written in, an image was believed to contain the essence of what it represented. Uh, and this essence that was within this image bearer uh, equipped the image to carry out its function. That's why uh, idols uh, were so dangerous and powerful to, uh, to the Israelites. Well, God was like, no, you're not going to have any idol because we're the idol. I'm not saying you should idolize me. I mean, I know most of you do, but I'm just a normal person just like you. <laughs> no, we, we are idols in that we image God in our world, right? We have the very essence of God inside us and that equips us to carry out the function that God has given us. To bear witness of Him. To steward this world. To be a source of, of life and love to everybody that we encounter. And so we are image bearers of God. And that means a ton of different things. And different scholars and authors have a bunch of different ways that we bear God's image. Uh, but one way is in this idea of sharing love, right? God is love. He created us to share his love with. And so one way that we bear his image is that we're also created to love. We're created to live in healthy community. 
created to, to love God, to, to love ourselves, and to love one another. God is not this kind of distant, far-off, angry guy. Right? He created us to, to share His love with us. And it is really amazing that we get to talk with and walk with and listen to the, the Creator of the universe. And as I said before, the creation story is foundational to the rest of the Bible. And it's, it's in this story that we understand first these four foundational truths. God is the divine creator. He is central. The whole story, all of life, is about Him. Creation is good. He gave it to us to enjoy. Guys, it's okay to enjoy life, right? He gave it to us for that. He gave it to us to cultivate well. God is good and loving. He's not far off, angry, and distant. And He longs to see us thrive on this planet. To see us live in right relationship with Him, with one another, and with all of creation. So what do we do with this? How does this impact our lives? And how, what's a practical response? I'm going to hand out... Actually, hey, Justin, you want to help me? I'm going to hand some of those out. Tony, do you want to hand these out? That's what you get for sitting so close to me. Um, so these are just handouts. I hope I didn't give away mine. No, I didn't. And it, it has this child's Bible timeline on it, so you can kind of follow along. Uh, we're at the very far left there. We're at creation. And it has this application question. And I would encourage you guys... To, to do this this week in response to our message this morning. The application in question number one, what practical thing can you do this week to demonstrate that you believe creation is good and we are called to steward it? All right, what can you do this week to, to uh, care for, to steward God's creation? And here's the thing. Many of you guys are already doing this, okay? If you have children and you stay up late into the night or in the middle of the night or you spend most of your day cooking food for your children, guess what? You're stewarding creation. And so the application is to just use our minds to kind of go, oh, wait a minute, I'm stewarding creation. This isn't just this kind of lame, well, there's no parenting is good, this it's a hard thing that I, that I have to do, right? I'm stewarding creation. Or maybe there's a project around your house that you need to finish, right? That's part of stewarding creation. Or maybe you need to feed your dogs or whatever. I don't know. Just look, God, what is a way that I can steward creation and remember that to make that an important part of my life? And the second thing is, maybe in one of your quiet times this week, to just to make a list of all the things that you are thankful for in creation. Right? To, because gratitude and thankfulness is such an important part of our walk with Jesus. So take some time to put in, write in your journal all the things that you're thankful for. So there's some really, hopefully, easy, practical ways to respond to this. 
And then if you want to go deeper, there's some questions that I wrote here. Uh, and I encourage you to look through them by yourself in your quiet time or with a friend or with your family, or with your small group. Just ways to dig a little deeper into what God is teaching and how he's forming us through the, the creation story of Genesis 1 and 2. And of course, if you have any questions, I'm always available. I love talking. We could obviously only talk about a couple little things this morning, and, uh, and I'm happy to talk more about creation. So, or anything, anything you want. I'm here for you. So let's close in prayer, shall we? Father God, we love you. We're so grateful for your beautiful, amazing, and glorious creation. Lord, you are good. And we declare this morning that you are central to our lives. Lord, we repent for, for the ways that we have climbed up on the throne of our life or that we have put something else that isn't you up on the throne. Lord, we repent. And we say, Jesus, be the center. God, let everything I do be focused to your glory. Yeah, and Jesus, I just thank you so much for this church, for this community of believers that we get to walk through life together. Lord, that we get to love one another and support one another. And so as we go into community groups uh, this week, Lord, I pray for just deepening uh, relationships. I pray for fruitful conversation, and I pray that through these groups and through uh, this series, Lord, we would be better disciples of you, that we would bear witness of you, that we would be great image bearers of you in our families and in our community. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Next week we're talking about the fall. Sweet. Uh, but that's also important. Uh, on my left is uh, the prayer and Rama team. They would love to, to pray with you uh, for any needs that you have whatsoever. Uh, other than that, we are you are dismissed. There's coffee and donuts in the family room. Have a fantastic Sunday.